are listening to the Prince College Podcast, a ministry of Prince Avenue Baptist Church where our goal is to lead you to trust and follow Jesus. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. If you got your Bible, I want to invite you to join me in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We're going to be there in just a few minutes. All right. Acts chapter 2. If you've been tracking with us at all this year, you should hopefully know that we've been talking a lot about this idea that we desire as Prince College, as the college ministry of Prince Avenue Baptist Church, we desire more than anything to be a city on a hill. That we want to be a people who are passionate about the name of Jesus. We want to be a people who shine brightly for the glory of Jesus. We want to be a people who are part of pushing back against the darkness that we see all around us. That the days in which we are living, the campuses that we walk on, there's all kinds of darkness around us. And we believe that we're not meant to hide from that, but we're meant to be a part of pushing back against it. In short, we believe that we were created by God to be in relationship with God, and to join in on the mission of God. That's what we believe, and it informs everything that we do here. We desire to be used to shine brightly for the glory of God. That mission informs everything that we do. Like as the college pastor, it informs everything that I plan for and just try to put into place for this college mission. It impacts the way that we plan these nights. It impacts the things that we talk about. It impacts the songs that we sing, the, the curriculum that we study in family groups. It informs everything about the way that we structure this ministry. But here's the deal. I don't want that mission to just inform our programs. I want that mission to be infused into your very life. And I want it to change the way that you live. Specifically, I want it to change the way that we learn to relate to one another. Because if this is our mission, to be a city on a hill, to shine brightly for the glory of King Jesus, we must learn how to relate to one another because this is a mission in which we are going to need one another to accomplish. And the way that we treat one another, the way that we care for one another, the way that we love one another all serves that grand mission. That is what the text of scripture that Bowen read for us a few moments ago was all about. John 13, 34 Jesus speaking to his disciples, and he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, by the way that you love one another. Like, you catch that? You understand what Jesus is saying there? Jesus in this text is saying that the way that the world out there will know that we belong to him is in large part due to the way that we love those who are in here. That's what Jesus is saying. The way that we love one another, it matters. It's meant to say something significant to this world around us about this God that we have come to know. The way that we love one another, care for one another, treat one another, it matters and it has purpose. And that is what I want to spend some time talking about. I want us to just talk about what this means, what this looks like. I just want us to take the next two weeks to talk all about community, biblical friendship, relationship with one another, how we are to love one another, how we are to care for one another and participate in this grand mission of God together for his glory in our city. Because here's the deal. I don't want us to be a people 
who settle for surface level relationships. Those are so prevalent in our day and there's so many of them all around us but I want us to be a people who push far deeper than that and I want us to be a people who love one another so well that we actually make Jesus Christ visible to the world around us. I had a former pastor who used to say that we should love one another so well that we make Jesus Christ impossible to ignore. I love that. And that is what I want us to go after. So to do that, we're starting a new series that we are calling In Common. In Common. And we're taking that language of In Common directly from Acts chapter 2, verse 44. And it says this, And all who believed, so I'm talking all those who believed in Jesus, all who believed were together and they had all things in common. And so what we want to do over the next couple of weeks is just quite simply take some time to talk about these things that unite us, to talk about how we as Prince College can be a community with a common foundation and a common mission. And I just want us to take a moment and take this seriously and to talk about this community that we have been blessed with. Like I don't want us to take it for granted that we have been blessed with such an incredible community here at Prince College. Like we were talking about this earlier today with some of the apprentices. We were talking about our values as a church. And we were even talking about how some of those different values of the church show up in different ways, um, in different ministries of the church. And the one that we were talking about a lot was the value of community. And what came up over and over in conversation was how obvious it is that the college ministry cares deeply about the value of community, about the way that we relate to one another. But here's the deal. I don't want you to take that for granted. I don't want that just to be a thing that you, like I want you to revel in that, to care about that, to invest in that, and I want you to know the why behind that. Like we don't just value community as a college ministry because we want you to have good friends. That's part of it, but there's a purpose in all of that. Our community has purpose. And so we're gonna take the next couple of weeks to talk about that. And you may be wondering, well, why, like, why now? Why in November would we take some time to talk about community? That kind of sounds like what you would talk about at the beginning of the year when you launch family groups, and we thought about that a lot. But the reason that we're starting a series right now about community is that in two weeks, something really significant is happening. Two weeks from today is, I feel like I, my, one of my, probably my favorite event of the entire year. All right, it's a new tradition that we started a couple of years ago, but two weeks from today, we are having Prince College's annual Friendsgiving, all right? Yes. Those of you who have experienced this know it's incredible. It's a full-on Thanksgiving meal with your Prince College fam. I'm talking turkey. I'm talking mac and cheese. I'm talking green beans. I'm tossing Sister Schubert's rolls. I'm talking sweet tea. Like, it's going to be incredible. It's going to be amazing. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. I want you to know, again, I want you to know the why behind the what. We don't just do Prince College's Friendsgiving so that we can have like the largest Thanksgiving meal in the Athens area, although I think we could probably accomplish that this year. That's not the goal. The goal is for us to do an event like this so that you can intentionally invite your friends to it. Like this is such a low barrier to entry. Free Thanksgiving meal. Like come with me and eat really good food and meet some of my friends. Such an easy invite. Right, But we do that so that you can invite your friends and so they can come and they can experience this community that you belong to. And the hope 
and the prayer is that as you invite your friends into this moment and we break bread together and we share a meal together and we have fun together, that they would begin to see the way in which we love one another. And as they see the way that we love one another and relate to one another, they would get a glimpse of the love of the Heavenly Father. That's the why behind Friendsgiving. So we want to take a few weeks, two weeks leading up to Friendsgiving and just talk about this. Talk about community. Talk about how we can begin to pursue community rightly. And the way that we're going to start that is that we're going to look at the very first community of Jesus followers found in this book of Acts. And we can see, we're going to see what we can learn from them. So before we dive into our text tonight, I need to give you a little bit of context, catch you up a little bit. We're going to be at the very end of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. If you do not know, Acts is the, like a book that records the things that happen right after the life of Jesus. That the life of Jesus is recorded in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It tells about his miraculous birth, his perfect, obedient life. It tells about his sacrificial death, his miraculous resurrection. It tells about this Jesus who has invited us to know him and come to him and have our sins forgiven. And then there's a moment in which Jesus rises from the grave and he begins to appear to a few of his followers, a few disciples, not many, many people, and he begins to tell them about this mission that he's giving them. And he begins to tell them that they're gonna be a part of spreading his kingdom across the globe. There's several accounts of this where he tells them to go and make disciples of all nations. He tells them in Acts chapter one that they're gonna be his witnesses in Judea, in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He promises that he will be with them And he is going to use them to advance the kingdom of God in the entire world. So Jesus rises from the grave. He lays out this grand mission of redemption that he is inviting his followers into. And then he ascends into heaven to be with the Father until he will return and restore all things. And the disciples, they wait. And there's a miraculous moment that happens in Acts chapter 2 that's referred to as Pentecost. And I, have, I do not have time to talk about everything that happens in Pentecost. But if, you have, if you're looking for something to read this week, go read Acts 1 and 2, because it is a wild story. What happens is that the Spirit of God, Jesus had promised that he would be with them. He had promised that he would send them a helper, the very power of God. And the Holy Spirit comes, and it falls on his people, and they begin to share the gospel with everyone around them and thousands of people from different walks of life, from different places, come to know Jesus in a single day. It's a miraculous moment. It's a beautiful thing. And then this community of God begins to form. And we see this in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42 through 47. It says this, And they, being the the people who were saved, the community that began to form, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, 
They receive their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I love this passage of scripture. It describes a beautiful community, one in which there are so many things that we need to learn from. So what I just want to do tonight, my my only goal and hope for tonight is just to walk through these few verses. And we're just going to walk through them and we're going to highlight some things that we see as characteristic of this early community of Jesus followers. And we're going to talk about how we can begin to apply what they were doing to our lives. And what it looks like for us to begin to embody this here and now as Prince's College Ministry living in 2023. So that's where we're headed tonight. Sound good? Everybody on board? A couple of you. Great. All right. So we're going to continue. And I just want you to see several things. The first thing that I want you to see, uh, this isn't going to be behind me on the screens yet, but the first thing that I want you to see is this, that these people have a common foundation. They have a common foundation. These are people Like, whenever we're talking about this community right here, it's important that you know that these are people who are brought together and united by their common love for Jesus Christ, all right? You need to understand that. These are people who had begun to build their lives upon Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ and him crucified was the foundation of this life that they had begun to live. It is important that you understand that. Acts chapter, Acts 1 and 2 is very clear that these are people who come from different places, all over, have different walks of life, different backgrounds, different stories, different experiences, yet in all of these differences, they have one thing in common, and it is their love of their Savior, all right? Their love of Jesus is what unites them all. They have a common faith, a common foundation, much like us in this room. Right, there are many of us here in this room tonight, and we come from different places. We have different walks of life. We have different experiences. But those of us, those of us who are united to Jesus share more in common than we could ever even imagine. We are united to Jesus Christ. So they have a common foundation. But what I want to talk about is what they begin to do with that common foundation. So I want us to see three things in this text. The first is this, and this one will be behind me on the screens, that this common foundation leads to a common devotion. This common foundation of a relationship with Jesus leads to a common devotion. And I am taking that directly from verse 42 in this text. Acts 2.42 says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. If you are a person who underlines in your Bible or writes in your Bible, I would encourage you to circle that word, devoted themselves. That word is incredibly significant. In the original language, it carries this idea to continue steadfastly in a certain direction, to have a single-minded pursuit, to pursue a specific course of action. That's what this word devoted means. It means that they were all in. 
Whenever I read that this week, my, I, the, the image that popped into my mind was like that of a, like a movie montage. You know what I'm saying? Whenever like the main character in a movie is training for something specific. Like there's this like ominous music and there's all these scenes. Like I think about like the Rocky movies, right? And like he's preparing for the fight, right? And he's like, there's this music playing that's super intense and he's doing these workouts at like 3 a.m. And he's like boxing and hitting the, the punching bag and then he's lifting weights and he's eating like egg whites or something ridiculous and he's like running up those stairs all for what? All of this in preparation to take down his opponent. A single-minded devotion to, for one specific goal to fight in this one specific fight. If you're not a Rocky person, maybe the movie Mulan is a better example, right? So you think about, I thought about this too, in that iconic scene where I'll make a man out of you starts playing and you see Mulan begin to train and she begins to try to climb this post and she's shooting a bow and arrow and she's like catching fish out of the river with her bare hands. What's she doing? She's preparing. She's training. She's trying to prove that she's just as good, if not better, of a soldier than these men around her. And she's there to take down the Huns, right? Like, that's what she's there for. All of it, a single-minded pursuit, a single-minded devotion. That's what these movie montages communicate, a single-minded pursuit. And that's the picture that I want you to have in your mind of these people. They have a single-minded pursuit. And they begin to devote themselves to four things. Notice these four things in verse 42, that they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. Let's just go through these really quickly, just a brief word on each, because I want you to understand what these people are doing. They devote themselves first to the apostles' teaching. What does that mean? Well, quite simply, it just means that they devoted themselves to learning more and more about Jesus, like these were men and women who had come to know Jesus. They had come to trust in Jesus with their very lives. They want to follow Jesus. And so what do they do? They devote their very lives to learning more about him. Like they're not satisfied with just a taste of Jesus. They're not just satisfied with what happened at Pentecost. They want more. And so they go after it. And they devote themselves to the apostles teaching, placing themselves in a position of a student to learn and grow in their relationships with this Savior that they had come to know. They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching in order to learn more about Jesus. But they don't just devote themselves to teaching. They don't just devote themselves to consuming more information. You understand that that, that consumption of information could have happened in isolation, right? Like they could have come listened to the apostles' teaching, and left and never been in relationship with people. Churches today are filled with a lot of people like that, all right? But they don't do that. They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, and then what? To fellowship. Fellowship. That word in the original language, I'm going to teach you a Greek word tonight, all right? We're going to do a repeat after me thing, so prepare yourselves, okay? That word in the original language is the word koinonia. Can you say that? Man, first time, great job, guys. So proud of you. Amazing. Yes, it's the word koin, koinonia, all right? And it carries this idea to share in something. And so this context, it means to share in life. That these people were not just people who devoted themselves to teaching. They were not just people who devoted themselves to like intellectual or academic pursuits. They were people who shared their very lives with one another. That they lived among one another. 
that they knew one another, that they cared for one another, that they shared one another's burdens. We're going to talk more about that here in a moment, but I think it's important that you understand that they did not just pursue more knowledge. They pursued relationship with one another. The third thing that we see that they devote themselves to is the breaking of bread. The breaking of bread. And now, I think it's important that you understand that this, this doesn't just mean sharing meals with one another. We know that this is referring to something specific because of the definite article that's used there, the word the, right? In the Greek language, if you wanted to reference something specific, you always use that definite article. We do the same thing in English. Like if I say to you the sentence, I love dogs, and then I say to you the sentence, I love the dogs, like in our context, those mean two very different things. Like, and you know one thing I'm referring to something that's very specific, another thing is more ambiguous. You understand what I'm saying? So when they say I'm, the, the, the breaking of bread, what is referenced here is not just a meal, but it's the meal. And it's the meal that we commonly refer to as the Lord's Supper, the breaking of bread and the sharing of the cup. If you've been around church for a while, hopefully you know that the night that Jesus was betrayed, he's with his disciples in an upper room, and he instituted a, something that has been just so powerful for thousands of years, and he gets up and he breaks bread, and he says, this is my body, broken for you. Take this and eat, and every time you do so, do so in remembrance of me. And likewise, he takes a cup of wine, and he says, this is my blood, Blood of the new covenant, take this and drink. And every time you do, do this in remembrance of me. Jesus is setting something up that will be foundational for them to remember for all time, for us to remember for all time the power of the sacrifice that was given for us. His body broken, his blood shed so that we may be forgiven. So these people are devoting themselves to the breaking of bread, devoting themselves to an act that would remind them every single time they did it of the sacrifice that was given for them, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. Similarly, that definite article is used, and it's implying not just generic random prayers, but something very specific. This is implying a moment in which these people would gather together to pray and to worship God. Like this is a formalized moment where they would come and seek God together, not just individually. Kind of like what we're doing right here and right now. That's what this is. It's this moment where they seek God together. So here's their movie montage, right? Like if they have a movie montage, it's clips and it's scenes of them coming together to hear the apostles' teaching. It's clips and it's scenes of them devoting themselves to one another, sharing life with one another, taking communion together, gathering to worship together. And the soundtrack underneath is probably like goodness of God or something, right? Like this is the, the montage of their life. They're devoting themselves to something specific. They have this common pursuit. They're going after something specific. And just like in those movie montages, something begins to change in them. As this common devotion gets played out day by day, it begins to change something in them. And that leads us to our second point that I want you to see. That common devotion leads to common participation common participation, that they all begin to participate in worship in a new way, but they all also begin to participate in each other's lives in a new way. 
We see this in the text, verse 43, that as they devote themselves to these things, verse 43 says, and all came upon every soul. All came upon every soul as they devote themselves to these things, as they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to the prayers. One of the main results is that they begin to develop more of a heart for God, a reverence for God, a worship of God, a desire for God. As they begin to understand more fully who God is, what he has done, and what that means for them, their response is awe and reverence and worship. They begin to participate together in revering their king. But notice that as they begin to devote themselves to these things, they don't just develop more of a desire for God or a love for God. They also begin to develop more of a love for one another. That is significant. Verses 43 and 45. All who believed were together and had all things in common. And 45 says, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. This is the heartbeat of what I want us to talk about. This is the heartbeat of this series. That this common devotion to Jesus It led not just to more of an admiration for Jesus. It did lead to more of an admiration for Jesus, but that's not all that it resulted in. It also resulted in more of a devotion to one another. See, these people, they're living out a very important reality that I want us to wrap our minds around. That because of their faith, these men and women, they're united to Jesus, but as they are united to Jesus, they also realize that they are united to one another. Whenever they realize that they're united to one another, they begin to participate more fully in one another's lives. This is such an important part of the gospel and one that I don't think that we talk about often enough. The gospel of Jesus, it unites us first to God, right? That's that's the important part of the gospel, that whenever we realize that we were created for a relationship with God, but our sin separates us from God and that he sent his son Jesus to live, die, and rise again so that our sin could be forgiven, so that we could be brought back into a relationship with God and we confess our sins and we repent and we ask him to be the Lord of our lives, that moment unites us to the Father. It unites us to Jesus and we have a relationship with the Father. And we are seen by God as his beloved children because of the sacrifice of Jesus. That is the glorious good news of the gospel. But catch this. Whenever that happens, you are saved as an individual, yes. But it's not just for you individually. You're also saved into a community of people. The people of God. That if you're united to Jesus and I'm united to Jesus, well, guess what? That means that we are also united to one another. You understand that, right? We become what scripture refers to often as his body, his people. All those who claim his name are united to him. That through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are united to him, but we're also united to one another. And that is why the way that we care for one another is so incredibly important. Like, I I don't want you to misunderstand. Like, we're not just kind people for the sake of being kind. We don't just love one another because it seems like the right thing to do. We're not just merciful and gracious and serve one another because we want to look like good people. No, we do this because we realize that we are members of one another. We are united 
to one another. And when one member suffers, we all suffer and we care about the well-being of one another because it affects the well-being of the collective whole. You understand what I'm saying? I can't think of a better way to illustrate this other than uh, a, a quote by Kirby Smart. Okay? Um, not all that Kirby Smart says is quotable in a sermon, but this part is. Okay? I was watching the Florida game. This past weekend, all right, I know several of you went. I hope you had an awesome time. I was watching it just at home, and, you know, at halftime, they always interview the coaches. And they interview Kirby, and they go up to him, and, of course, they're asking him about that moment. I can't remember who it was, but the player that got into a fight, and there was this whole thing. And they asked him what he thought about the moment, and Kirby said this. This was really interesting to me. His immediate response when asked about this altercation, he said, we have a mission, we have a team, and then we have me. And he said this. And when you elevate me over the mission or the team, we all suffer. And I was like, Kirby, that'll preach, bro. Like, like that, that's good stuff. Like, and that's a football team, all right? That's a game. How much more true should that be of us? The people of God seeking to live out the mission of God in our day. We have a mission. We have a family. And then we have us. And when we elevate us over the mission or over the family, All of us suffer. It's not just about me. It's not just about you. It's about us. And that's what we see these people begin to live out. They sacrifice for one another. They give for one another. They consider the needs of one another as more important than their own preferences or comfort as they lay aside the desires of self in pursuit of health of the collective whole because they realize that they have a goal. They have a mission They're not letting selfish interests get in the way of that. So they lay aside the wants and desires of me for the benefit and the needs of us. That's what they do. And that's just, I find that so incredibly significant because that's just so different than so many relationships that we see in our day, right? Like so many relationships that we experience in our day are all built on the idea of what you can do for me. You've all experienced that. Like that we, people want to be in relationship with you because what they can receive from you. And as soon as those benefits end or the cost for those benefits begin to outweigh what they receive, those relationships end. We see that in relationships in all kinds of ways. We see that in dating relationships. We see that in friendships. We see that in business partnerships. We see that in the way that people treat the local church. We see this. I'm in this for what you can give for me. But as soon as that cost comes too high, I'm out. Like that's the relationships we see in our world today. But these people in Acts chapter 2, they're not thinking that way. Because they understand through the gospel of Jesus, that they've been united to one another. And so they bless one another. They care for one another. They sell possessions and give to those who are in need. That means that those who were more fortunate were literally liquidating their assets so that they could care for the needs of those who were less fortunate. That's the level of sacrifice that we're talking about because they realize that it's not about them. And me building this castle where I can live in comfort, it's about us and us accomplishing this mission together. So I'm willing to sacrifice for you because if you suffer, that means I suffer. If one part of the body suffers, the entire body is impacted. Just ask Noah Duncan about his ankle, right? It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about us. 
If we want to accomplish this mission, we must do so together. And here's the beautiful thing, that as these people begin to do this, as they begin to have this common devotion that leads to a common participation, they see the truth of Jesus' words in John 13 come true. That as they love one another like this, people start to take notice. And that leads us to our last point, that common participation leads to people's salvation. Common participation leads to people's salvation. Look with me at these last two verses again. It says, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is significant. Like as these people devote themselves to the mission of God, they begin to see God's kingdom advance. That as they worship God, as they serve and love one another, they begin to participate in this together and people begin to take notice. The Lord continues to bring people their way. And as these people begin to see their way of life, see their devotion to the Lord, devotion to one another, they begin to want in. I want you to, again, if you're, you're a person who highlights or circles in your Bible, highlight or circle the two, two times it says day by day in verse 46 and in verse 47. What that shows us here is that this is a lifestyle that these people were living on a daily basis, day by day. This wasn't just something they did once a week. This wasn't just like a habit that they did occasionally. This was daily a part of their lives, worshiping the Lord, pursuing him, getting to know his heart, sharing life with one another, caring for one another. And as they do that day by day, then the Lord adds to their number those who are being saved day by day. Notice this. Your note taker, I'd encourage you to write this one down. The day by day investment in community led to the day by day advancement of the kingdom. I'll say that one more time. The day by day investment in community led to the day by day advancement of the kingdom. That's what I want for us. That's the why behind community. Listen, I want you to have a place here that you feel valued and you feel loved and that you have good friends that you can laugh with and share life with, but it's not just so that you have a good experience here in college. It's so that you can begin to participate in the mission of God. I want you to have a common foundation that leads to a common devotion, a common devotion that leads to common participation and common participation that leads to people's salvation. So we have to ask ourselves, does this describe us? Does it describe the community that we're pursuing in life? Like are we building our community on the foundation of Jesus Christ? That's the first question that we gotta ask ourselves. Like that's what these people do. Their, their lives, their, their relationships, their community is built on their common love and affection for Jesus. And if this is the type of community that we wanna build, a community that's on mission, a community that's on fire for the name of Jesus, it must be built on the foundation of Christ crucified. Meaning that this, this community of individuals must be made up of individuals who have surrendered their life to Jesus. Which means if you're here in this room and you want to be a part of a community like this, but you have not surrendered your life to Jesus, the first step for you is to see Jesus for who he is 
And I would beg you to trust and follow Jesus. People try to build their lives on all kinds of foundations. Career success, you know, financial, whatever, relationships, whatever, you name it. But I'm just here to tell you, all those foundations in some way depend upon you and you will one day fail. But if you build your life on the foundation of the gospel of Jesus, he never will. He never will. And I want you to experience fullness of life, fullness of joy, and that is found only in relationship with Jesus. So if we want to build a community like this, we must first be individuals who have built our lives on the foundation of Jesus Christ and then who unite together. And we too must develop that common devotion, which means that we, like these believers, need to start taking our faith seriously. Like our faith can't just be an add-on to our life. It's very clear that these early believers, that their faith wasn't just an add-on to their life. Their faith was their life. It was an all-consuming focus. They were chasing hard after Jesus. And I'm not trying to shame anyone in the room. This is, this is me too, all right? This is me as well. But what I see in so many of us and so many Christians in this day is that, that we think about faith as just like a, a secondary thing. Like we have primary pursuits. We're going hard after a degree. We're going hard after a job. We're going hard after a, a, like a way of life that we want to create for ourselves. And we think about Jesus as just like an add-on to that. And I'm not trying to say that like your career or your job or your degree or your relationships, they don't matter. I'm just trying to say that we need to learn how to prioritize what matters most. Like you go hard after Jesus and you chase after Jesus and you consider how your career fits into that, not the other way around. You understand that? That's what I want for us. We must devote ourselves to pursuing Jesus, to learning more about him, to sharing life with one another like these people did, to the breaking of bread, to the prayer, to the things that are gonna stoke our affections for one another. This is what our community is founded upon, but we must go after it. We must chase after it, single-minded devotion to the Lord. And we must learn how to participate in life together, just like these early followers of Jesus did. Like this life with Jesus that you're called to is never meant to be one that was lived in isolation. Like here in America, we have such an individualistic mentality. Like we think about us doing things on our own. But life with Jesus was never meant to be a solo sport. Like we're meant to do this together. We're meant to be in this together, which means that we've got to place ourselves in positions where we can actually know one another, where we can know one another and be known by one another. You understand that? So you get involved in things like family groups, not just because it's a good thing for you to do and you can feel like a good Christian college student, but because you want a place where you can know someone and be known. That's why this matters. You need this in your life, and you need to begin to share life with one another, sacrificing for one another. We need each other. Like, if we're going to be a city on a hill, it's not just going to be accomplished by a zealous few. It's going to be accomplished by all of us going in on this together. You understand that, right? Like, I, in that mission of being a city on a hill, I am not more important than any of you. You are not more important than any other. We're all in this together. If our desire is to shine brightly in the city of Athens, we're gonna shine so much brighter together than we ever will apart. 
We need each other. We need to rally together, participate in one another's lives, spur one another on to actually chase after Jesus. Just like Bowen was sharing earlier, like we need people in our lives who are gonna look us in the face and help us begin to see the discrepancies and see the things that are keeping us from following Jesus the way we're meant to. We need relationships like that. We need people who are gonna help us come closer and closer to Jesus. We'll talk more about that next week. And if we begin to live our lives this way, I believe that we, like this community in Acts, will see the salvation of many. That as people around us begin to see our devotion to Jesus, begin to see our devotion to one another, we will make Jesus Christ impossible to ignore in our day. And that's what I want for us. The others will see the way that we love God and the way that we love one another, and they're going to wonder why we live our lives this way. And it's going to afford us the opportunity to share the gospel of this God we have come to know. And I believe that if we live our lives like this, pursuing devotion to the Lord and devotion to one another, throughout time we'll see God continue to bring people to himself through us, that as they see our love for him, our love for one another, and our desire to see others come to experience what we have come to experience. Understand, Prince College, we're not just a group of people who are united by common interest. That's not who we are here. We're a group of people who are united by a common savior and a common mission. And we are meant to leverage our lives for this cause, serving one another, loving one another, caring for one another, not just because it's the right thing to do, but because it furthers the mission of God. And as we do, I believe that we will see his kingdom begin to advance here in our city, on our campuses, and to the ends of the earth. That is what we're here for. So the band's going to come back up, but as they do, I just want to lead us into a moment of prayer, because here's what I desire. I desire for this group of people right here in this room to begin to live our lives more fully like the people in Acts chapter 2.